People of God, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Friends, welcome to worship with Morrisville Presbyterian Church. Whether you are a longtime member or visiting with us in worship for the very first time, no matter who you are or where you are on your journey of faith, you are welcome here with us today. It is a delight to be worshiping alongside you. In your bulletin, it is noted that uh, Pat Guth is our organist today. She was unable to get here due to some icy roads, and so we are incre excuse me, incredibly grateful that Jason Vodica agreed to be our organist about an hour ago. So Jason, thank you for being here. Uh, it is a delight to, to have him back with us, and we are blessed by his music this day. For those of you who may not be aware, I wanted to let you know that my husband Matt will be undergoing major surgery in Philadelphia on Tuesday of this week. And because of the lengthy recovery that he will be facing, and with the support of the session and personnel committee, I will be taking a couple weeks off to care for him and for our family. Pastor Alex will be the functioning head of staff in my absence, and Jack McCandless, Molly Ramsey, and the rest of our capable and wonderful staff will be stepping in as needed. Your prayers would be deeply appreciated in this week and in the weeks to come. I continue to be overwhelmed and grateful by the gift it is to walk alongside all of you. Many of you have already offered prayers of support and care, and we are very grateful. Um, thank you for those. Thank you in advance for the prayers you will offer for us this week and in the weeks to come. And I will be sure uh, Alex provides an update in worship next week. So thank you in advance. Friends, welcome to worship on this Transfiguration Sunday when we remember God's glory. That day on a mountain as Jesus was transfigured before the disciples. In the ways we are able, may we open our own hearts and minds to be moved by God's glory this day and in the week to come. Let us worship God together. seeing the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The voice of God thunders like a mighty storm. Out of the cloud God speaks. This is my beloved Son. Listen to him. Let us worship God. God intends us to be obedient and to love creation and to love one another. Let us approach God who hears all prayers and confess our sins, knowing that through God's forgiveness, we are able to start afresh, trying once again to be the disciples that God is calling us to be. Let us pray together the prayer of confession as found in your bulletin. God of all glory, beauty, and grace, we have tried to hide from you, to hide our faces, to hide our sin. Yet you have never hidden your love for us. 
We have tried to search for you in temples, in clouds, on mountaintops. Yet you have already revealed yourself to us in the face of Jesus Christ. Forgive us and transform us so that our lives may shine with your glory, beauty, and grace through Jesus Christ our Lord. Our God comes and does not keep silence. God speaks to us with grace and love, saying, you are my beloved child. Together, let us proclaim the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Alleluia. Amen. Excited to be here with you this morning. Does anybody know what today is? I'll give you a hint. It's Sunday, February 14th. Does anybody know? If you said Valentine's Day, then you're right. Today is Valentine's Day, a day when we think of the people whom we love and we remember to tell them. We might send them a note, or we might call them on the phone, we might give them candy or flowers, but it is a day when we tell people whom we love that we love them. So I'm curious, have you told anybody that you love them yet today? Have you given anyone a valentine? This might be your parents, or your sisters, or brothers, or your cousins, or people you know from church, or your best friends from the neighborhood, or from school. I know there are people that love you, and I also know that God loves you. And I know this because everything in the Bible tells me that God loves you. So this week, I was getting ready to spend time with you this morning, and I turned to my Bible, and I actually brought it with me. It's seen better days. You can tell the cover's a little beat up, and it's probably had some water or some juice spilled on it at some point in time, but it's my Bible, and this Bible is really special to me because I received it as a gift when I graduated high school, 
the congregation that I grew up in, gave me this Bible as a gift. It's traveled to college with me. It's traveled all over the world with me. It fits in my purse and in my backpack. And it even has my name engraved on the front. But none of those are the reasons why this Bible is special to me. It's special to me. Do you want to know why it's special to me? It's special to me because on the inside, there are handwritten notes. In the front cover and in the back cover are Valentines from people who love me, my youth leaders and other people who taught me about the love of God and who taught me what it means to love one another. So on the front cover and the back cover are Valentines and in the middle are all the Bible stories we study in Sunday school and in church that tell us how God loves us, how God loves other people. There are stories in here about how we can love God. So even though this Bible is really beat up, I'm going to keep it because the Valentines in the front and the back and the stories in the middle remind me that God loves me and they tell me that. So just like this book tells me that God loves me, I tell other people that I love them. So I'll ask you again, have you told anybody today that you love them? Let's all take a minute and think of someone we could tell. Maybe it's more than one person. Maybe it's more than 10 people, but think of at least one person you could tell. One person that you could give them a valentine. A valentine being the gift of telling them, I love you. If they're in your house, you can tell them in person. If they're far away, you can tell them over a screen or you can write them a note. Think of one person, at least one person, who you could give a valentine to today, who you could tell them that you love them. Okay? All right. Let us pray. Dear God, we love you. Thank you for loving us. And help us to love others. Amen. Good to see you, young friends. Our scripture lesson this morning comes from the Gospel of Mark, the ninth chapter. Let us pause for a word of prayer. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. Melt us, mold us, 
fill us, use us. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. Amen. From the ninth chapter of Mark's Gospel, verses 2 through 9. Previously in chapter 8, Mark tells us that Jesus and his disciples had traveled to villages in Caesarea Philippi, and Jesus taught them. And then Mark writes these words. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. And Jesus was transfigured before them. And his clothes became dazzling white, such as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, who was talking with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say, for they were terrified. Then a cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud there came a voice. This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they saw no one with them anymore, but only Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them to tell no one about what they had seen until after the Son of Man had risen from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray together again. Spirit of the living God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, Jesus appears to be taking some time away in this ninth chapter of Mark, and with good reason. Just prior to our passage this morning, Mark reminds us that Jesus has been healing and teaching and preaching nonstop. After his baptism, his ministry began with 40 days of temptation in the wilderness followed quickly by the calling of the first disciples, and then healing after healing, teaching after teaching, nonstop, nonstop, as if he was running out of time. Demons were cast out of the afflicted by Jesus. 
People with leprosy, withered hands, paralysis found themselves healed by Jesus. Sins were forgiven by Jesus. Parable after parable was taught by Jesus. The winds and the storm heeded his call. Legions of dark forces obeyed his command. A child was raised from the dead by Jesus. He fed 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish. He fed 4,000 people with seven loaves and a few fish. He walked on water. He gave sight to the blind. And as if things hadn't been strange enough, as if things hadn't been amazing enough already, up on this mountain, they're about to take a wild turn. Six days later, the text tells us six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. Perhaps the disciples thought Jesus was heading up to the mountain to pray. It would have been perfectly expected for someone like Jesus, maybe to get, maybe to get away from this maddening schedule he'd been keeping, a time to renew his heart before God, to prepare for whatever journey was ahead. But instead, instead, up on that high mountain, he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone on earth could even bleach them. Before the disciples also appeared Elijah, and Moses, who the disciples know are long dead, but here they are talking with Jesus. Peter, stunned, is on the mountain for all three of them. One for Elijah, one for Moses, one for Jesus. But before the words are even out of his mouth, a dark cloud descends upon them all. It hovers over them, and from within the cloud comes a booming voice proclaiming, This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. And as quickly as it all began, it's over. Jesus is alone. I imagine Peter would have thought it was a dream, were it not for James and John, who assure him he had not been dreaming. And yet Mark tells us Jesus orders them to keep silent, tell no one until the Son of Man has risen from the dead. It wasn't the first time Jesus had offered these instructions to the disciples. Confused and afraid, Unsure what this means, unsure what would happen next, they tell no one. They don't tell anybody. And perhaps it was for the best, after all. Would anyone have believed them? Bishop Will Williman tells the story of Morton Kelsey, a sociologist of religion, who years ago interviewed hundreds of Americans concerning their religious experiences. 
and reported at the end of this exploration that the majority interviewed all claimed to have had at least one strange, unexplainable, life-changing, mystical experience in their lives. And when further probed about that experience, nearly all of them said, and I've never told anyone about it. When asked why they wouldn't have told a family member or at least their priest or pastor about it, nearly all of them responded saying they would think I was crazy. Willimon goes on to share that just a few weeks after he took his post as minister of the chapel at Duke University, a student made an appointment with him to tell him that the Sunday before... In the chapel service, he had a vision. He said it was as if a voice was speaking to him clearly, beckoning him, guiding him. And the student turned to Williman and said, predictably, I'm sure you're going to think I'm crazy. To which Williman confidently replied, not at all. After all, I'm, I'm in the vision business. So, so at what point in my sermon did you hear the voice? Uh, it, it wasn't during the sermon, sir. It, it, was, it was during the offering? Lest Willimon get too caught up in his own sense of divine connection, his feet were firmly planted back on earth that day. But regardless of when or how it happened, this student was changed, reassured in that moment. Even others around him didn't notice a thing. Even if he had recounted it to someone other than Williman, perhaps they too might have thought he was crazy. We often struggle with things like this, don't we? I mean, we struggle to make sense of things that don't keep our feet and our sensibilities firmly planted in the world of sight and sound. A friend of mine, in fact, who is also a pastor, absolutely hates preaching on this Sunday for this reason. Transfiguration Sunday. I, I think he feels the need to explain it. To, to, to somehow make sense of it, but perhaps our efforts to understand it keep us from seeing it for what it's meant to be, or what it was meant to be to the disciples that day. What, what if instead of being something that we need to figure out or cling to or make sense of, what if instead it's a gift we need to learn to receive? A profound reminder that there are moments of revelation in this life when the veil between heaven and earth is pulled back. Sometimes only for a moment. In a vision or a dream. In a voice on a cloudy day. In a feeling you can't describe. Something that comes to you, catches you off guard something you, you never could have sought out or attained yourself. 
but rather something granted and given to you, a gift, a glimpse of the divine. I can remember sitting in the pews of Dimnant Chapel years ago myself, a college, a new college freshman, unsure who I was or where I was going, concerned I'd picked the wrong place to spend the next four years, and suddenly, without warning, as a hymn played in the background, I felt, I felt a sense of peace. I can only describe as holy sense of peace that absolutely caught me by surprise. Oh, a sense of peace I wasn't looking for, but a sense of peace that left me looking around to see if others felt it too. It was a peace that passed understanding. A peace I could not describe. I may not have known where I was going, but I had this sense suddenly I was exactly where I was supposed to be. I can rem remember another moment when I sat in the pews of another church watching a choir sing. I have no memory of the song they sang, but I remember vividly the people of that choir singing joyfully to the glory of God. And I knew who some of them were. I knew where they came from. And before me, I was aware a group of people stood who would not normally cross paths any other time in their daily life. A seminary professor, an adult with disabilities, an electrician, a high school student, a senior vice president at the university, an 85-year-old woman who was leaning on the arm of a new dad. They wouldn't have been together on any other day, but at church, in church, they were brought together each week to sing and my eyes filled with tears, and in that moment of joyful singing, I felt as if I caught a glimpse of the kingdom of God. I felt I caught a glimpse of the way God sees us, where titles and professions and status and ability and age and money do not matter. All that matters is that we can stand next to our neighbor and sing joyfully to the glory of God. As I wrote these words this week, I got teary just thinking about it again. It was just a glimpse. But such a gift. I can think of other moments like these, but they are harder to describe, harder to put into words. You might think... I was crazy. Williman names that in God's continual flirtation with the world, its continual flirtation with the world, only rarely does God bowl us over, write some sleigh in neon. 
More often, God quietly courts us, teases, pulls back the curtain between today and eternity for only a moment. And when such a glimpse is given you on a mountaintop in Judea, or in a Sunday pew, cherish it. Cherish it, but don't even try to capture it. For it's a gift, a glimpse, a fleeting, blessed gift of revelation. Peter on the mountain that day wanted his glimpse to go on forever. Peter wanted desperately to cling to this moment, to preserve this moment of the divine like any of us would. Let me build you a tent, Lord, one for you, one for Elijah, one for Moses. Then, then maybe, maybe you can stay here in these tents. Perhaps I can come back and visit any time I want and experience this moment over and over and over again with you. I imagine you too have had times when you wished the choir would go on singing. Or you wished you'd never have to leave the moment you found yourself in. Perhaps, perhaps against some of the odds, you might even be sad when a sermon ended one day, wishing you could tell everyone exactly why and how your heart was strangely warmed in some moment of worship. But you can't. It would be hard for them to understand why so inexplicable a moment had changed you or affected you so deeply. I, I guess you had to be there, you might say. Even though in your heart you know their being there would not have made it possible for them to experience what you felt that day. It was a glimpse it was a gift. It doesn't always happen, of course. More often than not, it doesn't. Sometimes we gather to worship out of habit. We're just going through the motions, and these days the motions feel even more monotonous than usual in these isolated, socially distanced living rooms around your TV or your computer. They feel unending. But sometimes, sometimes even in these isolated days, sometimes in the holy space of a Sunday morning, the veil is pulled back for a glimpse. And by the grace of God, Christ is suddenly near you and within you and, and with you and surrounding you and, and it can't be explained. It can only be received. It's just a glimpse. And you may tell no one about it. But you are changed. 
And I don't think it's any accident that on the last Sunday before the season of Lent, the 40-day journey we begin this Wednesday with Ash Wednesday, I don't think it's any accident that on this Sunday we are given the gift of this sacred glimpse of the divine. A reminder that glimpses of the divine, they're not, pla- they're not a place to build our faith. They're not a thing to cling to. They're not a place to assuage all our doubts or tell us what to do next. But they are a place that we can be reminded that the God who calls us to repent and be made new is the same God who journeyed to the cross on our behalf is the same God who healed the sick, gave sight to the blind, walked on water, raised people from the dead, and reminded you and me along the way that we too are beloved, that we too are remembered and loved. It's just a glimpse. But my, what a gift. When the journey is long, when the days are hard, may we remember the gift of that glimpse and together proclaim thanks be to God. Amen. Please turn to your bulletin and join me as we affirm our faith through the words of the Apostles' Creed. Together, let us state what we believe. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence she shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, and the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. Amen. At this time, friends, as we enter into a time of reflection upon our hymn, may you open your heart and your mind to the gift of God's presence in this place, in your own life, and in your heart this day.
Let us raise our voices in prayer to Almighty God. Let us pray. We worship and adore you, O God of us all, for your presence in the light and in the darkness. We worship you and give thanks for the light of your countenance upon us as seen in the face of Jesus of Nazareth. We praise you for your call that awakened us to this glorious light of this Lord's Day morning. We give you thanks for this opportunity to celebrate this household of faith together. We are grateful for your word present in the beginning and in our beginning that has created church and sacrament as means of grace for our salvation and the salvation of all. Praise be to you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Gracious Almighty God, we thank you for your generosity by which we have food and shelter to warm our bodies and spirits. We also give thanks for recent gifts to the COVID-19 Relief Fund. Help us to realize that all that we give you is not ours, but rather what has been entrusted to us for a short while. May each of us be challenged to use our resources wisely for creature comforts and for meeting the needs about us. Call us again this day to understand that we are but temporary stewards and not permanent owners of your creation. May we use all our gifts to the best advantage of your purpose and your will for all humankind. Help us, O oh Lord, to confront, confront the evil in our world. Encourage us to do good and to shun evil. Grant us the firmness and self-confidence born of the Holy Spirit to confront prejudice and pettiness and untruth. Attune us to your truth. Attune us to the service to you so that our, our actions may radiate the presence of the risen Christ. Support us as we pray and care for people who are sick disquieted and hungry. Support them with your presence, your wholeness, and your peace. And now let us pray with the confidence of Christ in saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts 
as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. My friends, as you go out into this week, I hope you will take with you this glimpse of the divine. And particularly, I hope you will take it with you as we embark upon the season of Lent that begins this Wednesday. This Wednesday at 7 o'clock over Zoom, we will be holding our Ash Wednesday service, the beginning of the season of Lent as we seek to repent and be made new by the God who calls us to follow. That link and that information will be sent out uh, either tomorrow or Tuesday. We invite you to join us on this sacred journey, reminded of the glimpses we take with us, but also reminded that we follow our Savior toward the cross. And as we go this day, my friends, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you, be with those you love, and be with those you are called to love, this day and forevermore. And together we say, Amen. Thank you.